0: Hey, everyone. Boy, I sure am glad links to Colin are still allowed on Twitter. (laughs) It's episode 76, uh, the Stanford experiment, just to get away from all of those shenanigans that we saw over the weekend. Uh, uh, Whatever. Um, There's an interesting thing that came out of Stanford University that I haven't really tweeted or talked about, and I was possibly going to write about it, but... um, something called the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative. (laughs) Just like, just saying that just gives me the fucking creeps. Um, Came out of Harvard. This isn't like a, an official banning of words, but a group at Harvard University released a list of words that they believe are harmful and that need to be uh, phased out. And, uh, Something that uh, is interesting about this is I saw some people kind of shake this off and just kind of laugh at it. And I did kind of as well, except I feel like we've been down this road where a lot of these ideas come out of these universities. They come out of, you know, Berkeley or Stanford or Occidental or wherever. And we kind of laugh at them and we kind of just go, holy shit, these people are insane. And what are they doing? And this is never happens And then next thing you know, social media accounts are getting banned over the word woman, and it's infected kind of corporate America, it's infected DEI, it's infected human resource departments in companies, and then it spreads all over, again, social media, and then it spreads by proxy into media. And then next thing you know, we're all sitting around going, holy shit, how the hell did this happen? Why is this not cool to say the word American, for instance, anymore? And I thought that this is, this is kind of a good warning. This is something I caught, and this feels like one of these things where we could be looking back in two to three years and going, where did this come from? Because that's kind of how it's been. Um, we always kind of thought that campus culture kind of secedes and erodes as these kind of special little snowflakes, for lack of a better term, enter their jobs, they enter the workforce, they become lawyers. Um, or what have you, and then we all kind of turn around and then somehow wonder how this all happened, and then we learn that the inmates start running the asylums, and in particular as it it pertains to, again, the world of tech, the world of media, um, how certain words are now verboten or certain terminology is verboten. We saw this from, I think, the, uh, it was either Oxford or some fucking college over in Europe that did this, the dictionary, and they just changed the meaning of words. And so I want to go down this list, <laughs> and it is funny, but it's also I'm kind of doing this to just raise, you know, your spidey senses a little bit because, again, two to three years, who knows? Uh, I'm going to kind of, just for the sake of, because this is a listening experiment, uh, I'm going to read a Twitter thread of someone who pulled these. Uh, it's called uh, JL Cedar Blonde JL Reads and Writes. It says the elimination of Harvard Language Initiative over at Stanford is kind of wild. I can see why they hit it as soon as it got noticed. You shouldn't say blinded study because it perpetuates that being blind is bad for you, furthering an ableist culture. It says blind study. They recommend the word masked study. And they say unintentionally perpetuates that disability is somehow abnormal or negative, furthering an ableist culture. Saying someone is addictive trivializes the experiences of people who deal with substance abuse issues. Others would say that describing uh, addiction as a substance abuse issue trivializes the experience of addiction. Apparently, you should say devoted people. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, I'm not addicted. I'm just very devoted. Um and so it also says hooked and trivializes the experience of people who deal with substance abuse issues. And these are just basic terms. The, the guy who puts all of this in context is going into it more. You shouldn't say lame, which is ableist and trivializes experiences. Instead, say uncool, trivializing the experience of being uncool. And uh, the other terminology they recommend you use is boring. Uncool, I think, is also ableist because that suggests that you are warm. Um Let me see here. I'm I'm losing my place here. Colonialism is a big issue at Stanford, but only in regards to the Philippines. This was one of the ones that they said that instead of saying the Philippine islands, consider using Philippines or the Republic of Philippines. Context, the term is politically incorrect and denotes colonialism. Some people of Filipino heritage might use the term, though. Kind of defeats the point of, well, okay. The word chief. (laughs) Chief. I'm a big fan of this one, by the way. Just get rid of that racist football team in Kansas City. Fuck them. The word chief traces back millennia. He says, chief, the person's name. Instead of saying, hey, chief, call them by their name. Calling a non-Indigenous person chief trivializes both the hereditary and elected chiefs in Indigenous communities. Calling an Indigenous person a chief is a slur, which is, I mean, it's an honorary title. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Accessible parking is inaccessible to most. So instead of saying handicap parking, you must say accessible parking. Ableist language, it trivializes the experiences of people living with disabilities. So not only is the word say retard off limits now, uh, now it's even handicap. And people kind of, retard is a good word while we're on a free speech platform. Um, because this is a good example of a word that was just, it's, it's used in several different ways. It reminds me how Louis CK did his whole kind of routine on the word faggot, where it's like, it didn't mean gay when, you know, you were growing up or whatever. It just meant you were like acting kind of like a faggot. It didn't have anything to do with homosexual derogatory terms. And the word retard kind of became that. It was just kind of a funny playground insult that we must eliminate. And now, as all of these things kind of do with slippery slopes, now we cannot use the word handicap, for example. Um, sanity check. <laughs> is We cannot use sanity check anymore, according to the, uh, the Harvard Harmful Language Initiative. Confidence check, coherence check, or fact check. The term could be offensive to those dealing with mental health issues. Uh, this person on the thread says, as usual, the word sanity is insulting to insane people. They don't know how right they are. Well, insane but also uh, insane, but also assholes. Asshole is a bigger part of their personality. You wouldn't want to trivialize that. Uh, he goes on to note, a guru is now off limits. You must use expert, subject matter expert, SME, primary leader, or teacher, or guide. In the Buddhist and Hindu traditions, the word is a sign of respect. Using it casually negates its original value. Uh, You cannot say low man on the totem pole. Lacking seniority is what you should use. Don't have the power or prestige. The reason? Trivializes something that is sacred to indigenous peoples. Also, in some first nation communities, being low on the totem pole is actually a higher honor than being on top. The term also reinforces... Male dominated language. Oh, yeah, there you guys go. I knew you, I knew some of you were going to line up on this one. Uh, Twitter goes insulting to sacred roles and traditions. You must not blaspheme, purge yourself of impurities. Uh, preferred pronouns. The term preferred is in quotes and not to be used any longer. We must have simply use pronouns. The word preferred suggests that non binary gender identity is a choice and a preference, except we know, based on their own definitions, that it is a choice and a preference. You're choosing uh, which pronouns you demand people call you. So again, we're getting this kind of backwards double speak, courtesy of Stanford. Uh, this tweeter goes on to notice that, says, actually acknowledges that you don't get to choose your pronouns, you just get to inform others of what you would like to be called. And that's, of course, accurate. Uh, this is a fun one. Guys. Guys is to no longer be used. Instead, you must use the folks, people, or everyone. Why? Take a guess. This term reinforces male-dominated language. Uh, Here's a few others. I'm running down all of these because this this just has to all be thrown out there. Man cannot use man any longer as a verb. You must use the word staff. This term reinforces male-dominated language. Man hours. Instead, you must use person hours effort hours, labor time, again, guess why? This term reinforces reinforces male dominated language. Man in the middle, must use person in the middle, same reasoning. Mankind, Uh uh-uh, people, humankind, human beings, same reason given, this term reinforces male dominated language. Man-made, that one is gone, made by hand is what we're using now. Also manpower, workforce, staffing, staff resources, personal resources, is what you must use instead, guess what? Altogether, class, this term reinforces male-dominated language. Here's a few others. Policemen, policemen, policewoman, policewoman. Instead, you must use police officers. Why? It lumps a group of people using gender binary language, which doesn't include everyone. Um, I guess police person? Seminal, Leading or groundbreaking is what you must use instead. Why? The term reinforces male-dominated language. Why doesn't it reinforce trans? Never mind. She. The word she is now uh, problematic and not to be used. Person's name or they. Unless you know the person you're addressing uses she as their pronoun, it is better to use they or ask the person which pronouns they use. What if they isn't their correct pronoun? You can be fined in the city of New York, in the state of New York, for mispronouncing someone now and misgendering someone. So what happens if you don't know if it's a she or a he and you say they, I don't know, it's Pat or whatever, and now you just mispronoun them and now you're paying a fine. How are we doing out there? Here's another one. Uh, Guys was so important that they actually added it twice. You guys cannot be used any longer. Now it is still folks, people, person, everyone. lumps a group of people using masculine language and/ or into gender binary groups which doesn't include everyone. Child prostitute <laughs> Hi, good night everybody. Um, you, we can no longer use the term child prostitute. Uh, instead we must use the term child who's been trafficked. Using person-first language helps to not define people by just one of their characteristics. Excuse me. Uh, Where where are we here? Hispanic. We can no longer use Hispanic. They recommend Latinx, of course, or use the country of origin. Although widely used to describe people from Spanish-speaking countries outside of Spain, its roots lie in Spain's colonization of South American countries. Instead of referring to someone as a Hispanic because of their name or appearance, ask them how they identify themselves first. So we've seen kind of massive voter shifts of Hispanic communities move away from this. They've said that this is basically a white progressive, a white elitist term that was kind of made up to describe them. And here you have Stanford, certainly known for their white progressive elitism, reinforcing this term. Karen. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Karen is now off limits. Instead, you must now use the term "demanding" or "entitled white woman." This one, I think, I'm okay with. I don't. I think that this is unfair to people named Karen. Just so we're just so we're on terms. This is the only one I agree with. It says this term is used to ridicule or demean a certain group of people based on their behaviors. But what I find funny is that they demand that you use their race and gender identity instead. Uh, here we go. Black mark. Black sheep, black bald, black box, blacklist, blacklisted, are all now uh, off limits. Black mark is something that is held against one, of course. What do we think? Why? Assigns a negative connotations to the color black, racializing the term. Uh, The same definition is given to others. For black sheep, they uh, demand you use outcast. Black bald means banned or denied. Black box, uh, an actual thing that we use in airplanes, is now hidden, the mystery box the opaque box, or the flight recorder. Blacklist and blacklisted uh, must be denialist or disallowed. And of course, assigns negative connotations to the color black, which racializes the term. Brown bag, that one's out. Instead now it must be lunch and learn, (laughs) or tech talk. Historically associated with the brown paper bag test that certain black sororities and fraternities used to judge skin color, those who use skin color was darker than the brown bag were not allowed to join. And then beating a dead horse. Lastly, refusing to let something go. This expression normalizes <laughs> violence against animals. Uh, and on and on. Uh, killing it and killed it. These, these, are, these are bad now. Instead, you must say, you're doing a great job. You did a great job. Doing a good job should not be equated with death. The term could also be triggering if someone close to the recipient <laughs> was actually killed. Uh, hold down the fort. Uh-oh. Instead, they want cover the role because this phrase stems from settlers and soldiers resisting savages when on the war path. That's in quotes, by the way. Prostitute. That one's off limits. We're now going to debase. Unnecessarily correlates corrupt or unworthy purposes with sex work. Straight. The word straight is now gone. Instead, we must use heterosexual. This term that implies that anyone who is not heterosexual is bent or not, quote unquote, normal. No can do. This one is gone. Instead, you must now use, I can't do it, originated from stereotypes that mocked non-native English speakers. Those are the majority of them. Those are kind of the, uh, some of the fun ones here. The other one is uh, crazy or insane. Instead, you must use surprisingly or wild. Why? Ableist language that trivializes the experience of people living with mental health conditions. And so we laugh at a lot of this stuff, and you know, uh, we—it's funny in its term and it's funny in its present course. But as we've seen, as they've tried to kind of, uh, kind of put their own spin of evolution onto language, such as dictionaries and stuff like that, we see how what goes from being kind of funny and what goes from being laughable, which is you know things that you're walking around college campuses apparently not supposed to say a word, um, this very quickly. Uh, becomes reality. It becomes reality in our workforces, it becomes reality in our daily interactions, it becomes reality, most importantly, on what this podcast deals with, which is our media. And our media can include song lyrics, it can include films, it can include uh, network usage, it can include usage in print or publishing or online. And so we see just how quickly these things can kind of get out of hand. And that was kind of the point of why I wanted to go down some of these very kind of inoffensive style terms, pardon me, that's my watch, um, and so just something that was put out there and something that caught my eye and something now that it's caught your eye, now that you, uh, had, had the, uh, misadventure of joining this call in tonight, uh, just a short few days before Christmas. Um, we'll go for about an hour, uh, nothing too serious, uh, as I know it is the holidays and everyone's still kind of wrecked or happy or depressed or whatever, however you do feel on the holidays, or we'll go for as long as we have callers. Uh, I see that I have uh, about four back there. So feel free to join on your thoughts on the Stanford experiment. Is uh, Yes, it's kind of a nod to something, but it is called the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative at Stanford. And again, these are like a, a body of recommendations that have been passed down through this university. And this is the kind of thing that will just get picked up through, through other universities. And anyone who decides to not abide by them will of course be named and shamed and doxed and all of that fun stuff. Um, There's obviously a few other things happening in the news, like I said, over, I don't know how much we still want to talk about this, but there was a shenanigans with Elon Musk and Twitter over the weekend. Um, As I stated from my spectator piece, it feels like he's making things up as he goes, and that seems to actually be factually true. Um, Obviously, I know there's the omnibus spending package uh, that's getting rammed through uh, Congress at the last minute that obviously no one is happy with. Um, So I'm sure many of you might have thoughts on that. And of course, we have Vladimir Zelensky is currently, as we speak, giving a uh, address to Congress. Um, As I've noted, my my position on Ukraine and and Zelensky and stuff like that is fairly consistent. Um, I'm anti-Russian aggression. I think Russia needs to be defeated here because this has no good outcome. Um, We see a kind of unusual, unwilling stubbornness on Ukraine's part to help kind of broker a deal in all of this. And while well, I do think it's important as far as helping countries that we believe are natural allies and stuff, I do not think this piecemeal, here's another 45 billion every three and a half weeks, is going to go over with the American people very much longer. Uh, it doesn't really matter what I personally believe on this topic. It's just what I see happening, what I feel is happening, where it's its just another congressional package is signed every three years, 23 years, 45 it, and I don't foresee this, you know, being sustainable. We need to have a very clear cut goal in all of this. As I've also said, you don't see a lot of uh, Ukraine stuff specifically on my personal social media feed. And it has nothing to do with being anti or for it. As I've stated, uh, I just don't believe anything that I see <laughs> coming out of our media. Um, we, as we've learned through the Twitter file drops, Twitter is a very powerful propaganda tool as is, as is all of social media. And there's forces that use this for both good and bad, uh, except I I don't believe in promoting any of it. Um, The same goes for kind of the protests in Iran. I just I have very serious skepticism about what is real, even if I want it to be real. Um, And that includes photographs, includes videos and includes tweets and includes anything. Um, And that's just kind of how I've been jaded and uh, turned into a cynic as far as media goes Uh, I just don't believe anything my government, my media is telling me when it comes to some of these human rights causes. And it's also why uh, I didn't do much retweeting of even the protests out of China, even though we can discuss them. So those are all things that are going on. And uh, so certainly if you have thoughts on any of that stuff as well, we can go ahead and take those. Uh, As again, just usually the ground rules, just uh, please mute your microphone if you're in the queue but not speaking. Uh, It just makes it easier for me to help kind of Concentrate and listen as well as it makes a more pleasant published recording. And then also just be aware that there might be people behind you. Of course, if we have fewer people, we can go on longer or what have you. So with that, I've kind of laid a topic with your thoughts on this stuff or anything else. uh, I'm not going to kick you out uh, should you have thoughts on anything else. But uh, we'll just kind of kick this going off. Bruce. um, I'm glad we have Bruce, David, William, and Joseph. These are all inoffensive words as it is yet. So go ahead, Bruce.
1: Hi. Good evening. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, um, Christmas. Yeah, uh, he did it. He did the. He did the did uh, did religious you know I, Christian I, I white nationalism term. I do. That's the holiday we celebrate in our house. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, so about language, uh, I, I I don't have any particular thoughts under that other than I think the Stanford thing is is pretty ridiculous, and you know it it, it it is what it is, right? I I wonder how much of it is just people like that had access to the levers there said hey let's troll everyone with this or if they really believe their own you know jargon or whatever but what I do want to say is that uh, so I'm um, an engineer uh, work with mostly men and all that my when I met my wife uh, she is an early childhood special education teacher who worked in battered women's shelters back in Oregon um, when she was in college and after college and that. And so there was, uh, there was definitely some language that, that I had to change. I, I could no longer refer to the, uh, undershirt as a wife beater. Uh, it, it became the official term, the a shirt. And I was perfectly fine. I'm like, yeah, I you know I never really thought of it that way. And this, that's just what everybody called that type of garment, uh, because that's what you saw in cops and whatever other shows and, and all that, that's what they were always wearing. Uh, and then like, yeah, about like using, um, you know, calling someone a retard or, or anything like, like that. All that language was just done. And i you know, I'm very happy to make that change for her. Right. And not use those words in front of her that, it, that she made it very clear were were offensive and, and she didn't like. Uh, so I, I think certainly situationally, if you've got a group of friends in college or whatever, and, you know, maybe they're from different parts of the country or different countries altogether and that. And they let you know, hey, you know, I don't like it when you use this term or I would prefer to be called by the, or whatever. I, I think every person who has any you know, reasonable amount of uh, uh, politeness or kindness or whatever is going to modify their language happily to accommodate the people that are close to them, um, particularly if it's a significant other. Uh, I just, I really dislike the. I, I, I feel like it's like the first few pages of 1984, where these are the words you will use, and if you don't use those words, then you know you're going to be in trouble with the thought police. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe not enough people have read 1984, or maybe they don't care. But that's that's actually.
0: I, I, I mean, what you're saying is kind of the reverse of what the point of what 1984 is is stating is words have a very clean definition already. We've used them for, you know, hundreds of years through, again, through the English language, through classic English language, and, of course, stemming from Latin and all of this stuff. So the point of 1984 was actually more along the points of what Stanford is, is doing here. And I, I get the idea about being polite, um, but there comes a, there also has to come a point when there is a reality to what words mean. And and so if you don't push, if you, I don't want to say push back, but if you don't highlight this kinds of, of things, suddenly mm. we go from, like you said, trolling uh, at Stanford university to a Supreme court justice, not wanting to say what the definition of a human female biological woman is. And that ultimately right, right. is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that words, words have meanings. And when people try to flippantly change that without you know broad societal acceptance of that change uh you know uh yeah uh there's definitely words that that fall out of use uh right queer used to mean something totally different than it does today uh we're going through some of the like charles dickens classics with my kids and things like that and reading those and i like you know i'll pause and say you know this word used to be used much more commonly in different ways and and you know things like that Uh, So, yeah, it it definitely does does go through a change. But yeah, like the the dictionary, Oxford, whatever, like changing the definition without societal acceptance of that natural evolution, I I think is is just is right out. Um, Do you
0: you think changing the definition, for example, man and woman is something that is a natural societal change?
1: No. Or is that something
0: being put upon us by... A socialized group, or you can argue even by a, a liberalized media, or even in entertainment, you can even you can even argue like Disney. So, and, and that's and this is this to me is a kind of a perfect example. One of the other usages that, and uh, I'm just going to interrupt you real fast, was the the term American. This was, one of the, this was the one that caught kind of the, the, the political right. And this isn't kind of my biggest one, but this is, this is a way of kind of devaluing what it means to be a citizen of a country. And it says, uh, instead of using American, consider using U.S. citizen. Now, this is not the most offensive thing to me, but this is the one that's going to get a lot of attention. It says this term often refers to people from the United States only, thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas even though uh, the Americas is made up of 42 countries. I-, I would argue that America is the most important country out of those 42 countries. And then be. I would challenge these people to suggest why or why not would you think that America is not actually the most important country out of the, all of the Americas? And so that's not the one that, you know, I think journalistically, if you're writing, you're writing U.S. citizen or U.S. voter or whatever. But this is kind of a point of where they're trying to kind of devalue what it means to be a national citizen of, of this country. Right. And so that's kind of what I say is when Do you think like the terminology of, say, a man or a woman, is that something that is happening organically or is that something that's being put upon us? In say the oh, way of again supreme court justices can't answer the question if, it's 100%, if the, being, there was there was a time forced. you know just shortly a couple months ago where if i genderize a man or a woman on twitter my account gets banned and so that's kind of i get how words some words fall out of usage and things like that and that's to me that that's kind of the that what you're describing is a natural evolution of things but it, there's also a pressure coming, and, and kind of the whole point of this exercise is to show that this is where the pressure is coming from, and here's why it's coming. And before you know it, things like you and I are talking about it, suddenly some of those things are forcefully verboten, okay? And I'm not I'm not someone who runs around the house yelling retard, okay? That's not my point, but the point is to suggest how how do things become offensive over time? Do they become naturally offensive, or do they become offensive by someone going, don't say that, you know. Sorry, sorry to kind of interrupt, but that was just that was the one. The American one was the big one that got.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess where I took a, where I took uh, exception to American is uh, so I, I'm a, I'm a veteran, was in the Air Force for five and a half years, and part of what we had to learn was our the code of conduct, right? Uh, so it's your it's these six articles, and I, I don't have them all memorized, but but basically you say I, I'm an American, you say it twice in the in the code of conduct right so it, that's actually a, a very important identifier um and like uh, my kids do martial arts and before each class they say the pledge of allegiance and if i'm in the studio with them i, I stand up and i say the pledge with them uh, and i and i absolutely love doing that um, it, being an american is is a um it, it, I, I don't care what anyone says america is exceptional and it's, it's different. It's, its founding was different than any other country on Earth. Uh, it, the, the, the ideals that we uphold and all that, whether we always meet them or not, which, which I think is, is very clear that we don't. But we have ideals that we're striving for at, at any given time. And, and, and that sets America apart from not only the, the other North American uh, nations and, and you know, this whole hemisphere, I guess, but, but every nation on Earth and to identify as an american is something that i don't i don't really care you know you may take exception to different things different policies different politics whatever but to identify as an american is something that is uh, truly a privilege and, and anyone who, who discounts that is uh, is really, you know, in my opinion, out to lunch.
0: So so, and, so let me ask you this. So as a, as a veteran, and thank you, by the way, um, where you say you, you have to, there's the code of conduct and you say you don't have to memorize, but it's kind of the oath, whatever, like that. But we've also seen how this stuff can kind of find its way into things such as the military. And it can and suddenly, you know, and so my point is, I think you get what I'm getting at is, is that something that then we change? And if we don't change it, we're intolerant and it's insensitive because America is a colonial a capitalist uh, imperial nation. And so I, I guess that that's kind of the warning is we've seen how these things can be forcefully changed. So as a veteran, what happens if that is something that's changed for something that is kind of so close to you?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't have a, a solid answer. You kind of put me on the spot on that. I think that, that's what I do, military, and that's why I'm right? good at what
0: I do. I'm not. Try, I'm not. That's, that's I'm that's not great. trying to embarrass so things, you or anything. I'm just definitely I'm, changed. I'm, 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 go ahead.
1: I went. I came into the uh, the service uh, under uh, Bill Clinton. Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, you know, kind of changing the uh, the policy on homosexual serving in the military and. Uh, it, you know, nobody cared, right? There, there were I had a I had a lesbian airman that was my admin at one point. There there were gay men that I knew, and everybody knew, right, who they were, and 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 it was no big deal as long as you were mission focused. It didn't, uh, you know, if if you were concerned getting the job done, and, and that nobody cared, and. I I just I, so I, that was long before uh, there was you know the open homosexual policy and now transgender and and I, I honestly I don't know I'm not close enough to it to know exactly what that's like. Re-
0: I do know Real this. fast, and, I think you hit on an important yeah. point, which is nobody cares as long as the the mission is affected, and I think that this is a point that a lot of people, myself included, kind of stick by. Which is you're right. If you're if you're gay, if you're straight, if you're trans, if whatever, uh, it, it shouldn't really matter as long as your goal and your mission and your standards of say physical standards or mental acuity is up to snuff. But that's what we're seeing. We're not we're seeing kind of a shift in the military where standards are lowered for diversity or equity or for genderism or anything like that. And so I just I want to make that point that I think that that's a very good point you're making, which is sure if if. If anyone can do the mission based on the standards that are set to where not everybody gets
1: fucking killed during it, I don't think anybody cares who's on right. that mission. And, um, and the mission is to break things and kill people, and 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 that's where I think a lot of uh, a, a lot of the policy of the services and, and Department of Defense in general has has kind of gone askew. I know the the Marine Corps. I just want to that, point out you
0: uh, use the word kill. That's Bad, but go ahead.
1: Well, that's that's what that's what the armed services do. They, just, they drop bombs, blow things up, and and kill it, people. That, we that's you need, why to, you're we need to start
0: saying "put to sleep."
1: No, <laughs> I'll also stick to kill. Um, and and like the Marine Corps was criticized, uh, you know, what they I, I can't remember what was it uh, during Pride Month or whatever that they had the rainbow bullets on the uh, Full Metal Jacket looking helmet. Uh, and, 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 all that. And I just like, I, I, I don't think that's the right approach to, you know, you know yeah, I, I think, you know, diversity is important that, that, that any can serve, any can come in and if they want to serve their country, if they want to be, you know, there, uh, you know, fighting for freedom, uh, you know, promoting the, the, the freedoms that we should be pr- promulgating throughout the world and all that then I, yeah, I don't care. I, I really don't. But you need to be there and you need to understand that the purpose of the, of the armed services is to break things and kill people or do things in direct support of completing that mission. And where, when the focus is, oh, we need to focus on diversity or we need to focus on equity or we need to fo- that, no, that's not what we're doing. That, that stuff will follow from you know, looking at like, hey, are you mission focused? Are you here to, to get the job done? And that's where I think uh, perhaps leadership has maybe gone a a little bit astray. And then, yeah, I think, I think there are people, you know, in leadership positions in the department of defense that are afraid to uh, push back on some of these things because they don't, they don't want to be seen as uh, you know, not promoting diversity, not promoting equity and not promoting, you know, what the overall ideals of America are. Um, I, I, I think a lot of it comes from you know we just haven't had to fight a you know massive worldwide conflict in seventy years, or I guess it's longer now seventy five years, right? And, and we've sort of forgotten what what the armed services are actually there to do in in large measure. And not that I, I wish for that, I certainly don't. Um, and, but we are enjoying a, a you know a, a long you know relative peace uh, a, across the world. That, you know, yeah, there's there's issues, Iraq, Afghanistan, now in Ukraine and that that where there it, it has our attention, there are flare ups, there are people being being hurt and families displaced and, uh, you know, all kinds of the the horrors of war that are that are going on. And, and we, we can't be directly involved in every single one of them, but, uh, you know, the, we need to be prepared to do so. And the people that are in the armed services need to have that as their primary focus, not, you know are we, are we using all the right language that that Stanford university has defined? Is that, is that why we're fighting over the
0: definition of insane on Twitter now? (laughs) Doing the same thing, uh, but expecting a different result. Yeah. A a couple of quick other ones. Uh, They, they say, instead of using the word brave, just consider using none. Do not use the term perpetuates the stereotype of the noble, courageous savage equating the indigenous male as being less than a man. Um, so I, I, I'm not completely out of sync with you on just basic rule number one, which is one that everyone should follow. And it's, it's, it should be your guiding principle, which is don't be a dick. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. So, but I, I, I'm kind of here where I've never really had the experience of meeting someone and then going, she, heard me, because I think if that ever happened, I might just like, let out a laugh like just like oh shit it happened in the wild um and i'm not kind of along the lines of to give credit to elon musk which is not something i've been doing a lot of it is a way of kind of demanding someone address you in, in a it's a demand it's not a polite ask it's not it's my pronouns are she her and it's kind of like oh okay Um, And so, again, like with your with your significant other, your wife, I I don't think being polite is out of the realm of, you know, just, again, following the cardinal rule, which is just don't be a dick to people. Um, But again, like the larger point in this is politeness then seeds to kind of this change and a lot of bad things are then put under the the guise of politeness, where we cannot use certain terminologies. And these things just they don't happen overnight. And this is kind of why the focusing on this study kind of thing is why well, I'm doing this. They happen gradually. And the people that kind of enforce this kind of um, forced language, they know that it happens gradually. In fact, they're counting on it happening gradually because they can wait and they can say, look, we know this has worked in the past. Uh, we know we can get people fired or in trouble or fray their relationships or get them banned from social media if we just do this in a way that we're polite about. And I, so that's something that I think is kind of the uh, the problem to raise
1: awareness on things like this. Bruce. Yeah, I, I uh, that I don't know. I think I've spoken my piece and I, I agree it. it yeah, I, I I think it's it's not it's not enforced. It's not going to be I don't think it's going to be broadly enforced. I think it's going to be uh, roundly ridiculed a lot like that. Uh, the Julie thing that came out in the 2012 campaign where they thought it was going to be this this big, you know, um, you know, woman uh, liberating thing. And, and it just was just just a, a constant source of ridicule for uh you know and weeks and and then everybody forgot about it yeah so but look hopefully how, that's look what happens how, look with how we look at that
0: but yeah you're right in in some terms but look at how that's tracked from you know here is here's who julie is to in what 2012 to now to the year 2020 we can't openly discuss what a woman is defined as but that's <laughs> right. that's kind of making my point for me is, <laughs> Even doing Julie now would be completely offensive and sexist and derogatory towards uh, non-binary individuals. And right. so that's kind <laughs> right. of one of like the last points.
1: Okay, I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> have right? Been, have a have good night, right. everyone.
0: Um, no, good thoughts, good discussion. So I appreciate, I appreciate uh, you doing that. All right, thanks. Oh, I know David has thoughts. Go ahead, David.
2: David's thoughts. David uh, hopes they're uh, coherent. David hopes they're interesting. You'll be the judge. I would love to know. Just building on Bruce's point about, you know, how a lot of these batshit crazy ideas that are being promulgated now are basically luxury beliefs. You know, we are very privileged in this society right now. We have a standard of living that our grandparents and great grandparents could not have imagined. We live in relative peace and prosperity. So when all of those situations prevail, you tend to focus on trivialities like microaggressions. And my question is, do you think all of the batshit crazy language policing, the distortion of language, the uh, fear over gender neutral bathrooms, all of these things, would they, this is a thought experiment and you're, you know, you're a screenwriter, and you write fiction occasionally, right? I think you haven't been
0: that. one in a very long time, but the the uh, okay. the the, uh, the part of my brain
2: that was that still works. Okay, well then let's activate it now. Do you think all of the stuff I just mentioned, all the batshit crazy trivialities that the woke, the crazed woke left, and I guess I'm repeating myself, uh, is focusing on? Do you think all of that goes away? If a real life red dawn scenario were to arise, I'm talking about a fucking invasion of America by a hostile foreign power. Does all that go away over fucking night if that happened? Of course not. Well, you're already seeing you're seeing it with TikTok. You're
0: seeing social engineering. You're seeing the implementation of social credit scores. Uh, you 're you're seeing kind of a soft implementation of the great reset that 's the great reset 's not a conspiracy theory this is one of the this is one of the things out there where this fucking bond villain Klaus Schwab is out here talking openly about this, and then you look at what 's actually happening you 're looking at how farmland's being bought uh, you 're looking at this idea of you will have nothing and be happy and then you read you know pieces in the Atlantic about how home ownership needs to go away and so these ideas for instance are uh, There's already kind of like a soft invasion already happening, and it's it's happening primarily through psyops like TikTok, which is you know not fully on board with saying it's a Chinese psyop, but it's the mass influence of immature brains and immature minds, and it's all happening like out in the open where everyone knows, hey, this is bad. I was just, my nephew is 21. He's a, uh, he's a sophomore at college and, and he uses TikTok all the time. And I was talking to him about that. And his attitude is, um, you know, I asked him, I said, how, much, how long are you on TikTok? And he's like, oh, just probably too much. And it's just scrolling and looking at videos. He's not even a content creator. And they know that through kind of this mass hypnosis that you're you're learning to re-engineer society you're learning to re-engineer how people think even just by putting the content that you are say online so they don't even need to do a red dawn fucking scenario um but let's humor you and say okay let's say uh the chinese military nukes los angeles and then parachutes into colorado or so or whatever like what you're talking about Um, no, none of that would be going away because you would still have these university people on Twitter going, it serves us right. We we invaded, you know, Mexico too. And so this is just what it is. And let's hear them out. You know, you know, that's what people would, people, I guarantee you would take to Twitter and start fighting if, if Chinese parachutes were dropping on U.S. soil, they would be fighting on Twitter because that's what people do. You know, that's all, that, that's all they exist to do is like, you know, if you get something like this, like we have Colin. And so you heard someone like Bruce, right? And who, for the most part, we seem to agree, but he kind of started out there like, you know, I think it's should just be polite if it's your wife, which I agree, no, don't, you know, whatever. Um, but so we, so there's, you know, I'm sitting here talking, there's a room of what, 200 people listening. I can control who speaks or whatever, but I've never done that. I think I've kicked off one Looney Tune in this entire time. But there's three people here and it's you and me and we're having a discussion and it's civil and we're just talking and we're talking about ideas and things like that. But when you open that up to, you know, two million people on a platform of everyone just talking, it's it's going to be like the Simpsons be like the boy episode, where even if you have good intentions, eventually everyone's going to kind of just, you know, turn on each other and just turn turn their Twitter feed into a rat fuck operation. But my point is. Is that, I I mean, I guess the larger point I think you're getting at is are we just kind of bored as a society? And because we have no one to fight, we're just fighting with ourselves. And I think that that is something that could be a legitimate discussion. But let me ask you this How the fuck do you think Twitter would have gone on 9 11? Do you think it would have gone good? No, it wouldn't have gone very good. Because that's kind of like what we see. And that's that's 9-11 is a perfect example that people talk about saying, oh, God, that was the worst day that, you know, we've experienced in my lifetime as a country. And holy fuck, thank God, we didn't have Twitter for it. Because you'd have you'd have people screaming, go kill all the Muslims. You'd have, you know, the New Republic going, oh, we kind of deserve this. You'd have Salon Hot taking it. You'd have all of this shit just going on. and so. I would like to think that everyone who's listening to this, I don't think a single person would, other than the live time news feeds of people on the ground like New York or D.C. would be doing. I don't think there's a single person that's either on social media now, Twitter, Facebook, or listening here that thinks that that would have been a good thing to have on 9-11. Because whatever national unity we had lasted for three weeks and then the second that George Bush said, we're going to go and find the people who did this, you had them going, oh, shit, he's going on his Muslim war path. And you had that. That was a real thing. We, people think about this national unity we had around 9-11. That lasted about three months. When you get down to it, and then we invaded Afghanistan. And now you have people today, even on the political right, saying, well, we shouldn't have invaded Afghanistan. Because now you look at what happened. You have Joe Biden, who just went complete retard and pulled out of Afghanistan, uh, and now girls can't go to school there. And so, no, there's not there's not any event that would happen that would like pull us together, especially in the online world, uh, because the online world is something that doesn't really exist. Most people don't see a person behind the avatar. I fully admit to being that person. When I engage with someone on Twitter, and sometimes if I'm hostile aggressive, no, I don't care about you, I don't care about your family, I don't care about your kids. It doesn't mean that I attack them, but, there's this idea that, you know, I'm supposed to care about, you know, huge chungus ass 69 2020s, you know, personal life. And I just don't. And so I also understand that the Internet is a very dark, harsh, cruel place to be because I grew up on it. I'm basically, you know, Twitter's Bane. I was, you know, I grew up in the darkness while you just simply adopted the trolling. And so to answer your question, no, I, I do think there's a legitimate point to be made in the sense of, you know, do we not have a united cause? I agree with that. And so therefore, we kind of turn to arguing about what the word you guys means or the terminology of you guys means and like that. But that's also an ideology and political side that thrives off that, that they're just like, hey, we know we control academia. We know that we control aspects of media and entertainment. So we know that, as Bruce suggests, we can put out this trollish list, but we know that every dumb fucking student body on Stanford's campus is probably going to abide by it because they know what happens if they don't, where they use the term, Hey guys, come on. You know, did you not just see the language initiative we did? We, We shouldn't be using guys. And it's like, well, there goes your fucking night having pizza and beer. And so they, they count on that. They count on kind of naming and shaming anyone who does this to create a struggle session and that's great if it dies on campus like we always thought it would, but we've learned that it doesn't. And then it eventually translates into, say, social media bans for misgendering or whatever, like we're seeing in the Twitter files. So there's there's a couple of legitimate arguments you're making, but no, I, I don't <laughs> – if, like, if a country just started airdropping into our states, you know that there's going to be some academic elite out there going, well, we did it to them, so eh. – And that would that all the all that would take is for everyone to just start fighting on Twitter while like China's invading our. Uh,
2: That no, you I mean that's again as you always do. You make a good you make a good argument. I I do tend to think though that you know when uh, threats become less abstract, less uh, intangible, and more just real, like a Great Depression like God for fucking bit a nuclear war, something very physical. Then the abstractions tend to fall by the wayside. Then all the woke shit, which basically posits that all the things we know to be true instinctively, uh, we have to claim are false. And all the things we know are false instinctively, we have to claim are true. Like, what is a woman? And, you know, you can have a dick and uh, also menstruate. I mean, all this crazy stuff we're asked to sort of pay lip service to, All of those abstractions, I think, melt away when the threat becomes, like in the Great Depression, when it's all about feeding yourself and your family, when the threats become physical, I think people would, in general, have much, much less tolerant for the crazy abstractions that we're focusing on now. I mean, would you agree with that much, at least? Uh,
0: Again, yes and no. I mean, the Internet, and especially social media, has enabled people to essentially take out their real life worries on strangers online. So yeah, if I have trouble feeding my kids, one would hope that I would be out working as many jobs as possible to feed them, Um, but then people who have kind of a social media addiction or a Facebook addiction or an online addiction, they're still going to take the, you know, the negativity that's kind of built up in their own life. And they're going to use that to, you know, get into fights online. I'm not even talking about say political punditry or anything like that. I mean, look at your own personal Facebook feeds and look at your own family members and look how your friends behave or how your acquaintances behave with each other in these, in, in these circumstances. Um, and, and certainly know someone who's not, you know certainly a guilty party in how that goes. But I mean, I primarily use my Facebook to just post my media links now. I don't even engage. The last time, and this is a good story, the last time that I got into a political argument on Facebook, and and for, and for those of you who you know whatever, I I have what I don't know four four hundred and thirteen thousand Twitter followers. Like whatever, it's not that money, but that's what it says. To give you an idea of the kind of person I am, I have 23 Facebook friends. I don't have a public me- I don't have a public media presence on Facebook, probably to my own financial detriment. And so it's generally a close-knit circle of friends and family, some that uh, I-, I meet with personally, some that are long distance, some that are from high school. And I wrote a piece about uh, for spectator examiners regarding something about Fauci, which I've done a lot of. And uh, I wrote in the piece, again, how they, they have discovered that the vaccine does not prevent infection. It does not prevent transmission. And someone who was close to me for a very, very long time, who was a doctor and was a frontline worker during COVID, gets me in my Facebook. Uh, first of all, they commented on it. They said, hey, what did you mean? here? What is this statement like? This is, like, conspiratorial. And so I linked the New York Times story that I sourced it from as well as the Washington Post. And I said, here's where I'm sourcing it from, wherever. I'm not making this up. This is an actual declared fact through the CDC, which is the vaccine can, it can, not always, it can prevent serious symptoms for, you know, the immunocompromised compromised or people with pre-existing conditions or the elderly that we've learned. Uh, but it does not necessarily prevent infection or uh, transmission. And this person then got me in my... Uh, Facebook DMs just blowing up at me and I simply told them I don't argue on Facebook anymore. I don't argue politics on Facebook anymore uh, because I'm not paid to. And that's even in like, you know, if I want to avoid real life political conversations, which I don't always do. I I am. If I'm a guest, it's something again, along the lines of don't be a dick. If I'm a guest at someone's home and trust me, it happens more than you'd like to think. And political conversations strike up because people know what I do for a living I simply say, I'm going to need you to put $200 on the table if you want me to answer that question. And it's facetious, but on the other hand, it's like, like, it's kind of my job. So if if I'm over here, I will engage in certain terms. But if you're asking, you know, uh, specifically about a, a topic, unless it's something that I wrote, which happens, that's happened also. we hey, I saw that you wrote da-da-da um I just simply say I'm going to need you to put $200 on the table which is half of the going rate by the way but that's a good you know industry standard so you and I just say I'm going to need you to put $200 on the table and then I'll be happy to engage with you on this and so I just simply tell them I don't I don't argue with relatives I don't argue with friends I don't argue with acquaintances on Facebook anymore cuz simply I'm not paid to do it and that's a good way to get out of it but again to your point is you know No. Again, look at your own social interactions. And I realize not all of them are bad, but especially social media is especially attuned to present our worst selves. And again, it goes like Louis C.K. even made a joke sort of like this where he talks about in a car. Forget like Twitter or Facebook. Look how you behave in a car, you know, where you're surrounded by this hunk of metal and aluminum and you're kind of protected and, you know, someone cuts you off and you're like, I'm going to fucking kill your children, you know, like you can like yell at the worst thing at this person and that's kind of like what online and social media has become and that goes all the way dating back to comment boards and reddit and things like that and then i would argue places like twitter and facebook have just brought it down to a more personal microcosmic level which is basically said you know going back to what bruce said where you're basically it, it allows you the space to kind of be this way towards people and so to answer your ultimate question yeah yeah what If like the, what's the worst thing that could happen to stop people arguing online? Well, Twitter, Facebook need to go away. That would be it. And that's not going to happen. Twitter maybe, uh, but social media in its terms is it's something we're stuck with forever. And it's something that we're going to have to kind of learn to use to our benefit. But as far as like, could, could, would there be some national emergency or global emergency that could happen To uh, bring us all together. Well, I mean, David, we just went through one of those. We just went through a year long, a real serious year long pandemic, which we're mostly out of. But for that year of 2020, from March until November of 2020, I mean, look, look what came out of it. You had intelligence services monitoring American citizens over medical disinformation, and uh, you had social media users getting banned, and you had people saying, "Fuck you, I'm not taking the vaccine," and yeah, "Fuck you, yes you are," and put on your mask. And no, I'm not putting on the mask. And that's just who we are is. And I would argue that that's how we should be not, you know, total assholes. But that was one of the things that we saw coming out of the pandemic, which was, there wasn't, there wasn't the ability to have a robust debate about these ideas. Because you had the CDC, you know, basically directing Facebook and Twitter to get rid of anyone who went, can we just talk about the vaccine? And I'm vaccinated by the way, but they were just like, can we just talk about this for a second? There's like, well, and no, you're gone. And that had a more detrimental effect than anything. Like, you know, people talk about Robert Malone or whatever. Um, I don't necessarily prescribe to everything the guy says, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be allowed to say it online, but they took such a hard line. Nose. Now we saw from, you know, we saw this article in the Washington post about natural immunity works better than the vaccine. Yeah. We know we were talking about that. And yet that didn't fall under Fauci and Biden's OSHA mandate. They didn't they didn't take natural immunity into effect at all. It was you must get vaccinated or you lose your job. And when you act that way, people just go, why the fuck are you doing this? <clears throat> it's not very sciencey. And so, yeah, when you say, what about if we had some huge global event like Red fucking Dawn? Well, we did. And look how we look how fractured we came out of that where you have family members being like, I don't want you near my kids because you're not vaccinated, you know, and that's just where we are as a society. And it's going to take longer to put back together than I think anyone is even.
2: Um, all right, uh, man, well, I owe you 200 bucks. Uh, I hope, uh, no, this is part of my you. job. No, this falls under, no, <laughs> no I'm, I'm
0: talking about if I'm, you know, just in a social situation, right. it's a fun way to just kind of get out of it and be a
2: smart ass. Um, but, uh, well, appreciate, uh, the interaction as always, keep it up and I'll talk to you down the road.
0: Thanks, David. Good questions, by the way. Uh, we'll go. William Joseph will wrap up with John as we're already like, pushing out. Sorry.
3: Hey, can you hear me?
0: Yep.
2: You're good. Go ahead. All right. Uh,
3: I was gonna start off by saying that we know why Zelensky is coming here and getting uh, the new money. It's because it's uh, laundered through FTX and back into the. (laughs) (laughs) I can't.
0: I I mean, just up front, I I just, I cannot describe how speaking of social media bored I am with the pro anti Zelensky stuff. Um, I just, I can't even engage in it. I I have my own opinion on all of it, and. Uh, I see like the new right is just going full on something. And then you have uh, our regular traditional media saying what a historical visit like Churchill this is. And I'm just like, all of you just need to calm the fuck down.
3: Yeah. It it's wild. Uh, Going back to the the language stuff, we working in tech, I've seen this for a long time. uh, They've been trying to get, Code of conduct. Real, real, are...
0: real fast, not to interrupt, but we saw this with James Delmore from Google. Like he talked about yes. this stuff, what, four or five years ago. Like there's guys in Silicon yeah. Valley who work in places where it's treated like college campus, where it's like, they're, I'm, I'm terrified to like speak to my trans co-worker because I'm going to get fucking fired. if I...
3: Yeah, it, James Delmore. And all he did was point out that men and women have different interests. Uh, but even before that, you had Donglegate. I don't know if you remember that, where two guys were making guy jokes behind a woman. She turned around, took a picture, and put it on Twitter. And all three of them got fired. Uh, those two, uh, the two guys first, and then the backlash against her got fired. And I, the the way I see it, it's mostly just um, kind of. People that get off on forcing people to use language. It, it, yeah, it's power. Um, it's
0: And it's, it's and they very, have a very unique way of understanding how they use this power. They're very good at it.
3: Yeah. And I, I, most engineers I've talked to, like, they don't really care. You, you know, you just create a set of tasks and they're going to do it because, you know, that's what the customer wants or that's what the boss wants. Um, but the real sinister thing is when a person comes out on, uh, in open source and they say, I don't really care what this person does, they'll, they'll immediately get dogpiled by hundreds of people and, and just tore up for not enforcing the social contract that the that things like the Stanford uh, Language Guide uh, try to enforce, and it's 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 just a way for people to create a mob and then go after people that you know signal that they're not really into it or don't know about it or anything like that. But we've seen it a, a whole bunch in tech over the last ten years. Um,
0: I think that that's a broader point that. This stuff that is normally reserved for, say, political science debates or that field or journalism or media—it's it, especially tech. It's infected that area to the point of where it's like, why, why are you, we have to code algorithms to be sensitive to, you know, human pronoun usage or whatever. I know that that's, I'm kind of stuttering a little bit. I'm a little distracted at a great tweet I'm about to put up, but um, it's tech in particular was kind of one of these industries. It's similar to kind of what Bruce said about the military, where it's kind of like, here's your problem. It's mathematical, solve it or come up with a solution to code it this way or whatever. And it became so infected with kind of this, you know, this genderized social justice And it's really curious how that happened. And I think it has a lot to do, obviously, with what happens on social media, Facebook. Because usually when people talk about tech now, they're talking about, you know, uh, they're talking about TikTok. They're talking about Twitter. They're talking about Facebook. They're talking about social media apps. But what's so interesting is, like, this was never a fucking problem on MySpace, for instance. So it's almost like, and this kind of goes back to why they kind of threw the hissy fit they did over Elon Musk, is, to me, how I view that is... They knew they had all of these institutions. They knew they pretty much control uh, academia. They control media. They control culture as far as music, movies, TV, streaming, whatever. They know they control the thoughts and journalism and whatever. And tech was that kind of latest thing that they needed. They just need to get their claws in because this is a, this is the latest industry. It's employing hundreds of thousands of people. And Musk came in and just ripped that away from them. And I think that that had a lot to do with. Uh, the reaction to it, and so, and of course, you can comment to that just being in that industry. Um, but it is interesting that it's such kind of a benign thing that just kind of deals with solving problems. Application technology mainly has to do with solving problems, whether it's a game on your phone, or if it's a health app, or what, or uh, you know, Lyft or Grubhub, whatever. It's about how can we make things in society easier. And then, you know, now we're turning to Lyft drivers must use proper pronouns.
3: Well, I think most of it just comes from the San Francisco culture. Because, like, all the FANG, FANG being Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, uh, all of those are in Palo Alto and, and around San Francisco. And so all the people that work there, are gonna be infected with that culture. And it's particularly the middle management and above that really try and drive it in the tech industry.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on both of those. You're right about just the culture of where it comes from. And then also you're right about how it's like middle management. We saw that at Mozilla with Brendan Eich, which to me was like patient zero in all of this shit, you know, and it was also so instructive. And this was what, in 2014 that that happened? where yeah. Brendan Knight comes into Mozilla. He's the, he's the father of JavaScript, which is the main programming language we all use today. And he's an expert. And he's a genius. He's just considered all of these things in his field. And then someone went up and dug up his political donation to like the against the same sex marriage bill or something. And okay. his workers had a revolt. And instead of saying, that's nice, get back to fucking work. They all abided to it. And Brendan Knight quit. And that to me was... The first time, like when you talk about middle management uh, punching above their weight, they realized, oh, shit, we can do this. Like, we can bring this campus culture that we didn't think we could have and protest, you know, because we all we, love is love bigots and things like that. And even Brendan Eich was like, you know what? I, this isn't who I am. I'm not a political guy by nature. I make, you know, he made contributions to both sides. And uh, but then he was like, uh, I, I'll quit if you need me to. And they were like, yes, quit. And so he's like, all right. And it everything of his expertise that these people could learn from him in their job capacity, okay, not you know, their social science and their fucking feminist groups or whatever like this is a guy you could learn from and they were like, no, get out, bigot and that really was kind of like the first instance as far as big tech that that happened and of course then you had Gamergate and you have all of this shit which is still used as a scapegoat and uh, but to me it really was kind of they, they really did, like, try to Brendan Ike, Elon Musk, and a few others, and it didn't kind of work this time. But that really was the first instance. And I wrote about that at my old website, The Wilderness, uh, because it was something, like, we hadn't ever really seen before. And it really did feel like a, a change where it was like, oh, this can...
3: Yeah, I, and I remember Gamergate. Like, I watched that in real time. It was fascinating, I guess. Uh, the, other, the only other place I can really see this coming from is... Useless, um, tech orgs. So, uh, no which is a, a, a language or the engine for JavaScript development and NPM. Uh, they have governing quote unquote, governing orgs that no one pays attention to. Uh, and they have their meetings online. And it's kind of fascinating to kind of go in them and just watch them, spin them, spin their wheels. Um, coming up with these code of conducts or, and, and not really doing anything of note because they're so bogged down in this um, agenda, I guess is the best word, that they're, they're just irrelevant and they're trying to create them create relevancy for themselves.
0: Yeah, and that was another thing like you know we saw with Elon Musk and Twitter. it was kind of like what is it what is it exactly that you do here? Oh you don't code what do you do? Oh, well, I'm the gender equity officer for the diversity and equity office. And I make sure that we have the appropriate amount of women. You're fired. <laughs> and so that was also, I mean, part of it. And and that's how I look at like Twitter. Now I'm not convinced Twitter is going to survive, but if it dies, it's going to be because they couldn't fix what is technically wrong with it. And that, and to me, that'll be exactly why. So really am I going to be.
3: Yeah, I, I just want to say like Never give an inch when you're getting dogpiled. You will, all you'll be is a scalp to them, and they don't care. And if you wait two or three days, they'll leave and find something new.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've had my fair share. Obviously, a kind, I guess the most I don't want to say famous, but the the Wonder Woman screening. Uh, and I just kind of, I'm also someone that leans into when this happens, the most recent one was when I wrote about Ukraine as the first social media war. And I just got completely, it was, it was such an obvious anodyne take too, it was like, this is the first war like we're actually seeing play out on social media, like between countries like Ukraine is trolling Russia and Russia's there. And I just got dogpiled for people saying, what about Syria? And I I was surprised at that one, and I don't get surprised. Usually, if I get a dog pile, I usually know like I'm gonna deserve it. That one was shocking to me, but um, obviously, like with the Wonder Woman thing, I just kind of leaned into it, and I'm just like, I'm just I just bought a movie ticket. Calm down, you know. But you you're right that generally, I think companies are starting to learn that more, which is you know, yeah. If you if your social media post or if something goes you know whatever just log off for a couple of days and come back and they'll be on to the next Justine Sacco or whatever. Um, So, I mean, there's, there's, there's bound to be a backlash to this. I just don't know when it happens and it's certainly not going to happen. And Stanford, of course, is in Northern California. And of course you just don't know when it's going to happen, but the pendulum always swings, but it's not going to swing anytime soon in academia. And if it doesn't swing, look at how, look at, look at how the hissy fit that. Sass took over Florida, Florida University, not exactly, you know, social justice central, although you could argue most universities are. Um, it was just one little corner of their precious industry or of their precious academia uh, had a had a conservative guy instituted and they just all lost their minds. And so, you know, I kind of look at this and say, maybe they'll get away from this whole, you know, stop using these terms and stop using these words uh, in the sense of... And, and you know that there is a subculture that looks at this shit and counters it, but they are, as of now, they don't hold the power to do that. Um, so, William, thanks for that good insight. Uh, we'll wrap up with John. Uh, he's just back there, and so we'll go a little bit shorter tonight because it's the holidays and we all have shit that we need to do.
4: Hey, Stephen. Uh, yeah, just... Um, uh, I'm not surprised by the by the uh, language police uh stop a list. Uh, so uh, I thought i just give just a little anecdote from my own my own experience. So I'm I'm a university professor. I teach philosophy at a Catholic school. Um oh that's uh, right. You're, you're very centipede. welcome
0: here for this one.
4: Yeah. Yeah so um so fortunately my school is not not extremely woke, but that's I think more due to incompetence and being Slightly lower tier, rather than uh, due to uh, uh, any sort of conservatism. We have a DEI office. Um, they have a mandatory seminar that student freshmen have to go through, where they're given the gingerbread man of of uh, of uh, you know uh, buying uh, you know non-binary trans whatever and all this stuff. And uh, this is the first year um, where uh, where I've noticed a significant increase in the number of students who I've taught because I had three classes of freshmen um, where they were all, where there were uh, far more students going by they, them. Um, In previous years, the school would let us see the, uh, the legal names of students. And then this year they decided, no, we only get to see their nicknames and their preferred pronouns. So uh, I had probably about out of uh, approximately 75 students, I would say about maybe 10 to 15, maybe, uh, maybe more um, uh, using they, them. Now, so so real, real
0: fast, does your university have a directive? Are you basically, you have to, per the university, refer to them in their pronouns? Not. Can you be, can you be fired if you choose not to use they, them? It's implied. Or what?
4: It's it's implicit, but it's not stated. Um, uh, we have so so. In other terms, you
0: you go along statement. with it, just not to jeopardize your job or cause a scene that you don't want to end up on TikTok or anything like that, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, actually, uh, we had our departmental uh, we had the the faculty Christmas party uh, two weeks ago, and I and I found myself uh, in conversation with the professor there, who's who's kind of uh, a bit of a uh, bit of a outcast of sorts. He's uh, very old, very, you know, very tenured, uh, extremely, outspoken libertarian. And so he started talking me up and trying to, you know, argue for the merits of libertarianism with him. I got got on back and forth and he looked at me and said, wait, you seem like you're very conservative, actually. I said, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I, I like libertarianism in some areas, but, you know, in these other areas, you know, I, I disagree. He said, are you tenured? No, you need to stay in the closet. So there's not an explicit directive that you have to use pronouns yet. Um, Partly, I think it's due to the fact that this is a Catholic school and you still have some notion that uh, that there are um, that there's uh, standards on what man and woman mean. I mean, it's in the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. But but they but they let students pick their own pronouns. They let students uh, go by their nicknames. Uh, They have, you know, the inclusive uh, space safe space in the student center, um, and so I had I had about I had about you know 15, 15 students who who went by they them who who, uh, who uh, some of them who dressed non-binary um, uh, although it wasn't too hard to tell uh, what 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 binary they were uh, uh, departing from and. It, it was It was a weird semester because i I was teaching a class on the nature of what a proper education should be or the nature of true what a true liberal arts education should be, not kind of the, the modern day liberal liberal uh, woke thing. And I had a lot of students respond very well. But then I got my student evaluations back last night, and one student complained that I had said using they as a singular pronoun on essays was confusing. When you're using it to refer to a generic someone, or one says uh, one, one says that that, that they are blah, blah blah, I said just just use he or he slash she or he and or she, and if you want to use they, if you don't want to use the binary, just try and just kind of rework the sentence and, just, and soon just complain that this is this is absurd. Even the Oxford English Dictionary says they is a singular pronoun, uh, but I am still wanting to take a class from him next semester. So I'm not exactly sure where they're getting this. I'm not exactly sure uh, uh, the way that this, you know, shakes out. But I do know that that raised red flag in my mind because I haven't actually gotten any pushback before at at a school, which I feel is a, a lagging indicator of wokeness.
0: Do you think, just based on your profession, do you see kind of like any undertones of this swinging back and just students not using pronouns or do you think that this is something that is long-term here to stay that it's going to basically affect the language our professions or whatever here on out just your just your opinion on based on what
4: you- i i think it depends entirely on how long this is this, this remains as a fad among high school students um so i was teaching nothing but freshmen uh, I don't think you can say that the university got, you know, the university liberal professors, you know, indoctrinated them, corrupted them, you know, brainwashed them unless the first week, you know, welcome. Here, here's your, you know, Title IX, uh, Title IX consent seminar and, and uh, thing on, you know, how we need to respect everyone and, and, and uh, whatever led by DEI. Unless that, unless that, you know, did the trick. I think a lot of this is coming from what students are getting in high school. And I mean both in in the classroom, but also, as you were saying earlier, on TikTok, on social media. Yeah, through their so, friends,
0: their social circles, which has way as in, in a ton more influence than any curriculum or teacher could possibly have. Um, but yeah, I mean, circle of life, Simba, that's kind of where it goes back to. And. I don't I don't know. I'm obviously I've made no secret of my desire to ban TikTok. It's not over pronouns. It's not anything of that. It's it's for exactly these kinds of reasons that we talked about. You have you have mass scale social engineering happening and you have it happening at the behest of, a, of a, an actual totalitarian authoritarian government. And they're just sitting there watching this going, eh, this is look at what we're doing. Um, and so I mean, th- that's kind of my curious question: is if this, if how this pendulum swings backwards, and you kind of answer, which is like it has to happen at the high school level. Well, we see at the high school level what they're being taught now, and uh, maybe not so much on every single high school or anything like that. Um, but it is something where y- you see this kind of, I don't know, indoctrination is such a strong word, but it's I would say if anything, it's suggestion. And, of course, we see laws now where uh, we just saw a law struck down. I think it was Minneapolis where uh, they tried to pass a law saying te- teenagers could get birth control without parental consent and things like that. And, and you don't have to be, you know, a, a strict Christian prude to sit here and go, why aren't you consenting with parents on this stuff? Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to be like, a culturally religious conservative to sit here and kind of go, Hey, why do you want to, like, do top surgeries on kids? Like, what what is that? And so, of course, they try to conflate those things. Um, but, again, that all kind of feeds into um, when you just erase the basics of what identifies us as, as human beings on a biological level, you can almost get away with erasing anything. And that's kind of the whole larger point. And I'll give John the last word, but that's a whole larger point of this discussion is if, if you can just – get people to ignore basic scientific reality we've been following since you know uh leonardo da vinci um then you can change anything you can change uh how people perceive things and just call it under the guise of gender or then you can get rid of language that you just find problematic all in its own terms and so that's i mean that's kind of the whole point of When I go back to when you have a Supreme Court justice who's just like, I don't know what a woman is. I'm a I'm a Supreme Court justice. I'm not I'm a scholar and a lawyer. I'm not a biologist. Um, That becomes hugely problematic in the sense of if she can't do it, then what chance do college students have? So, John, I'll give you the last.
4: Yeah, no, actually, uh, 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 it, it's funny that you mentioned those two points because uh, maybe it's you know maybe it's whenever you hold class on your on your podcast bleeding into my lectures, but uh, but but just uh, two two little kind of uh, uh, closing anecdotes. Um, first, uh, uh, we've been we, we ended the semester by reading C.S. Lewis's ab- book, Abol- the Abolition of Man, which uh, is uh, is very much against uh, is you know invective against kind of a progressive technocracy, um, and, and the use of technology to try to exert, uh, control over people. Um, and, and one thing I brought up several times in class was the pernicious, pernicious Chinese, Chinese communist app, TikTok. I told them you should not be using this app. And then on their final exams, when, uh, when they were, uh, answering this question, uh, explain Lewis's claim that, that uh, our power over nature, our, our, our technology really is just one group's power over another group that they, where they use the technology against them. Multiple students brought up social media as a means by which people can be censored. So I think that the way to kind of break this is to kind of give a uh, kind of uh, you know, peel back and, and give a different perspective to, to these kids on, on what's going on. And uh, so... You know, uh, you know, you know, you that in class and seeing students brings up because I didn't bring up social media censorship in, in any lectures, but these students made the connection on their own. So I, I think as a, as a conservative and a religious conservative uh, who, who would oppose uh, the birth control of the minors for multiple reasons, but, you know, as it may, um, uh, that that the way out is not just hoping that this dies out. The way out is really just showing this. Or the empty facade that it is, and giving some alternative here—not just, not just uh, you know, saying you know, you know pointing to biological realities, but also pointing out, look, these people are trying to control you. These people, these people aren't just saying this just for just because they think that that uh, you know we should all be nice. They have a motivation for doing this, and if we can get that in the cultural sphere, then I think we have a chance of having this pass sooner rather than later. But anyway, great show as always, uh, uh, and I will uh, look forward to the next
0: uh thanks john um yeah i mean great points interesting one like john made is the idea that um censorship isn't being fed to them that it's something they can just come up with on their own and uh yeah that's a fun scary proposition i didn't need to end my night on but um great thoughts from everyone a good just short quick episode uh every everyone tonight had Some great observations, and it was good to just not fucking talk about Elon Musk. Uh, It's uh, episode 76, Stanford Experiment on the uh, Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative over at Stanford. Uh, I will be back on Patreon tomorrow, and I will be back on Patreon Friday. I know I said I was going to take Friday off, but I switched those days because I just got behind today. Um, if, If you just joined from Twitter and not the podcast, as you know, I've been working on setting up a sub stack and uh, you've seen a few announcements lately. There's a few people that are joining and uh, I'm just basically slow walking my way over it because I'm having to manage subscriptions and not losing subscriptions and adding subscriptions and formatting. As you guys know, I'm kind of big on that stuff. So I just want to make sure everything's kind of right, but you can, if you're not aware of that, you can sign up at uh, Miller versus media on sub stack. You should just be able to Google it. And uh, it's free for now. I'm not charging subscription fee for now. I will be. Um, but right now I'm just harvesting your emails for my own personal army and spam risk. So feel free to just do that. The more suburbs that I have over there, the sooner I can get over there, migrate and start expanding on some things other than just podcasts. I plan to do some post writing, some supplemental posts to go with each podcast. So a little bit more content. Uh, So feel free to do that as well, but I will be back on Patreon tomorrow and um, I will try to be back here on Friday night post uh, Matt Christmas Eve madness. And it might just be kind of an open topic, uh, just bullshit around the fire kind of show Uh, again. Thanks to my callers tonight. Again, a lot of good thoughts from, from academia, from tech, from everywhere uh, from military and everything. So all of just good thoughts that uh, from people that have experience with this stuff, or whatever, or just, again, abide by rule number one, which is don't be a dick. Uh, episode 76, Stanford Experiment. Thanks again to callers. Thanks to my audience. I will see you back here on Patreon tomorrow. Uh, if you choose to not get in or Patreon, have